Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Under a Rock with Brielle and Gerlin. Today, we are continuing our discussion of Avatar The Last Airbender, book two. Mm-hmm. Um, this is episodes four, five, and six. And I'm excited because these are some good episodes. Yes, they are. We are finally introduced to Toph, which yeah. is great. Um, but that's, of course, not until the last um, episode that we talk about today. So, yeah, let's get started. So the swamp. So the swamp, yeah. Very, um, this, this episode really emphasized on the spiritual aspect of the duties of an avatar. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Because, you know, Aang hears the swamp calling to him. And he kind of ignores it. And when he ignores it, the swamp's like, oh, get your ass over here. What do you think you're doing? <laughs> Creates a whole tornado. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you're right. I, I feel like this episode, especially especially at the end when we like meet the, the people who live in the swamp and um, the guy kind of explains how the swamp works. This episode is very much spiritual, very much environmental, um, you know, which I think is is so important to the avatar and you know unfortunately ang is an avatar in a time of war but if he weren't this would be stuff that he deals with you know all the time um this episode is also like you know it really like gets my heartstrings because iroh uncle iroh is just willing to do whatever it takes for zuko like he is willing to humiliate himself and act like a beggar and be poor and extremely like humble and dirty so that Zuko's okay. Mm. You know, and I I really admire that about him because, you know, this is a man who grew up in the lap of luxury. He was a prince, he was an esteemed general, you know, he probably had the best of everything. And now he has to like be a beggar in the streets and like you know, I'm I'm sure that stings a little, but you never know it with Uncle Iroh. You never know how badly it may hurt him or upset him to have to dance like a monkey for random passersby, you know? Yeah, he's a very humble man. He is. He is a very humble man. And I think he had to learn that because I don't think he was humble in the beginning. No. Like in the beginning of his like journey, so to speak. I think he had to learn that, you know? Mm, I, I really... um. I think throughout the series, especially in book one, it's implied that he was humbled. Um, I'm not sure if it was specifically his travels, his journey into the spirit world mm-hmm. that humbled him. Yeah. But they bring that up a lot. And yeah. it seems like that's one of the key things that changed him or made him who he is in, right. this, in the series. Yeah. Like, I'm sure the defeat of Ba Sing Se and like the loss of his son probably kind of catapulted him into a new way of looking at the world and looking at himself. Right. You know, this, this episode also has <laughs> like the best song ever. It's a long, long way to say, <laughs> but the girls in the city, they look so pretty and they kiss so sweet that you really have to meet the girls of bossing say. It is a pretty song. It is a pretty song. It's funny. I thought you was going to mention, um, <laughs> what I, I what I think is the best song was when they were when they caught Appa Momo and it's like dun, 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 dun. I forgot the words. Oh, dun, 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 dun. oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know that that that. Was... I don't know if I would call that a good song. <laughs> um. Anyway, 
No, but I, I really like the, the Ba Sing Se song because it has a very, um, like, folksy, mi, mi, um, what's the word? Folksy, militaristic vibe to it. Like, this sounds like a song that, like, recruits would, like, sing to each other. Like, hey, we're going to be in Ba Sing Se soon. Like, oh, the girls are so pretty there. Really? And then they'd sing. The song implies that there's a culture and a history um, to the Earth Kingdom. And obviously we know that. I mean, these these cultures and kingdoms have existed for hundreds of years. But it's just nice to get these little like snippets of of, you know, culture, you know, that's not just like history, you know. Right. And I didn't even think about that. It's kind of like Mulan. Mm -hmm. Yes, it has like a slightly Mulan vibe to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The girls were fighting for. Yes, exactly. That's the kind of vibe that it gives off. It gives the vibe of like, this is a song that like soldiers would sing when they go to defend Ba Sing Se, which is probably how Iroh knows it. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So back to our our heroes. They go to the swamp and they all get separated. Um, Abba and Momo get stuck and then the gang is like by themselves. And I just, I feel for Abba. He like just gives up. He just like falls flat. He's like, I'm not moving. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> And Momo tries to motivate him with the whistle. Yeah. Like, Come on, get up. <laughs> Aw. And you see in this episode um, how much, at least to me, this, this, this stuck out. Like how flexible, like how much um, articulation Appa has in his tail. The fact that he was able to slap yeah. it on his back to get Momo. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, wow. Like, That's cool. Yeah. pretty flexible. Yeah. I mean, he still couldn't like jump over that route, but he... You know. Yeah, you could do that though. <laughs> but I get it. When Appa like falls, I was like, "Me too, buddy. Me too." Um, <laughs> yeah. Something that I like about this episode is, um, like, even though you know Sokka is very much like, "There's no spirits. It's all made up. It's nothing." They stick together. Like mm-hmm. when they all get scared, they huddle together. They like sleep like lying against each other because they're a team. And I right. just I thought that was sweet, you know, because like Sokka. Could have been like, no, you guys are babies. I'm going to be over here. Like, you guys comfort yourselves. But no, like, he he sticks with his with his family. And I, I think that's sweet. You know, it's a little thing, but yeah. I think it's sweet. Nice little touch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of them get pulled away by the vines and they see visions in the swamp. Katara sees her mother. Um, Sokka sees Yue. And Aang sees a girl that he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Um. And later on, we learn that the swamp shows us people who we have lost and people that we miss. But because time is an illusion and Aang is the avatar, he can kind of see into the future of someone he's going to meet. I think it's very interesting that Katara sees her mother, not because it isn't the obvious choice, but because when she goes to touch her mother, it turns out to be like a tree stump and she can't connect to it. And I think... That might be, you know, and this could be me like reading into it, but I feel like that feels like a metaphor, like Katara, your mother is dead. It's very sad, but you can't keep trying to reach her. She's gone. You have to let it go. You have to move on. Mm. You know, like that's that's how I kind of viewed that scene that like her trying to touch her mother and then not being able to is is kind of like the swamp saying, yes, acknowledge your pain. But you can't keep grasping for something that's not there. And, you know, unfortunately, I don't think Katara really does that until book three when she uh, tries to take revenge. But I think that's kind of maybe what the swamp was trying to do. 
And obviously this is all just like speculation. This right. is like my own interpretation. Um, and then Sokka sees Yue and oh, something that I think is so interesting and calls back to what I said a couple episodes ago about how Sokka like is really like in the spirit world, despite not liking or caring or being like respectful of the spirits. Mm-hmm. Yue as the spirit was the only one who interacted like the Katara's mom didn't interact with her. Uh, Toph's like little ghost figure didn't interact with Aang. She kept running from him. Yue's like vision was the only one to interact with any of them. And she chose Sokka to interact with. And I just think that's so goddamn interesting. Like Sokka rails against the spirits and mysticism and magic, despite it being shoved in his face every day. And yet the spirits love him. The spirits like go to him like all the time. And I just think that's so funny. <laughs> with um with this specific vision, don't anything don't need to like kind of at first I thought it was really UA mm-hmm. first watching it. I mean it could have been. But... It could have been. However, the reason why I think it wasn't is because she said you you couldn't protect me. Yeah, UA would never say that. UA she didn't feel that way. Yeah. Like she knew that it was her destiny to like give her life back to the koi fish, mm-hmm. um, to the moon spirit. Uh, I think that's just uh, all in Sokka's head. That's that's the guilt that he's walking with. Oh yeah, oh know? yeah. He's got a lot of guilt. I think manifesting, um, manifesting. Yeah, no, wait, is it manifesting? Manifesting. Manifesting, yeah. Manifesting. He's got a lot of guilt growing inside of him. <laughs> He's got a lot of guilt growing inside of him, so it makes sense that the swamp would pick up on that. Um, especially because Sokka kind of strikes me as the kind of person to, like, push down his feelings. Um, both in a effort to be more manly, but also in a, we don't have time for that right now. Which mm. I sometimes do, I admit. I'll, like, push my emotions down because, like this is not a good time for me to cry or this is not a good time for me to be angry. And then later they'll come out and, and I'll feel so like raw and wrung out. So I feel like with Sokka, the reason that the swamp was able to like pick up on his guilt so easily was because he's been like fighting it back almost and he's not feeling it, you know? Right. And all the visions eventually lead them to the heart of the swamp. Mm -hmm. They all run into each other. Uh, Funnily, uh, funny, so funnily, so comically, mm. I don't know, whatever word. They literally just go crashing into each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they all share with each other what they've seen. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a little funny that Katara was just like, "What girl? Like, what girl were you following, Ang?" Um, but then you know, she she says she saw her mom. Sokka missed. He saw Yue, but he's just blaming on swamp gas. It's yeah. like, listen, like we've been. Here for a while, probably just a little delusional. There's nothing crazy or spooky going on. Yeah. And up comes you and his swamp monster. Yeah. Bending yeah. the water in the vines. Thing. Which is crazy. I feel like plant bending is is really overlooked. Mm-hmm. Like no one else does that. No one else attempts to do that. Like I'm surprised that no one else attempts to bend the water and the plants. I mean, because when it comes to water bending, or when it comes to all of the bending styles, there's like the main one and then there's like this like the side bending. So like with um with fire bending, it's like lightning and with earth bending, it's like metal bending and stuff. 
Um, and with water bending, it's like blood bending. But mm. there's also plant bending. Like, I'm surprised that nobody else but these people in the swamp, like, figured that out. You know? Well, it's kind of um, with the, I forgot her name, but the old lady. Oh, yeah. Uh, she Hama. Mm, she ha- she kind of shows that you can take water from the plants. She doesn't bend them, but she, yeah. Yeah, she takes the water from them. Yeah. It's just an interesting thing that was never really explored. Right. You know, um, as like a cool thing to do. Because, um, you know, when you first, because like when you first hear about like earthbending, like when I, I remember when I first watched the show like years and years and years and years and years ago, um, and they kind of like briefly mentioned earthbending, I thought earthbending was like plants and stuff like that. That's what I thought, like mm. kind of like poison ivy kind of thing. But um, it's not. It's like the actual earth. So I just I think it's interesting that. But it also it also makes sense why like earthbending is not plants, because all of the elements are non like living things. Plants are living things. So they can't be like, I guess, bent the same way, you know. Right. Um, but yeah, it's really cool to like see another application of water bending. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I love that like. <laughs> That like he's fighting them and they're fighting him and it's like crazy and they're like, oh, no, we're going to die. And then they like slash through and it's just this guy. and He's like, hey, (laughs) like he completely forgets that he was angry. They completely forget that he was trying to kill them. Like they're just friends now. It's cool. Everything's all right. It's just just a guy protecting his home. That's how Saka chalks it up to. Yeah. Something interesting, though, going back to like the swamp and the visions, um, so the swamp shows Aang a living person, someone that he has yet to meet. And Yud says that it's probably because, you know, he's the avatar. He's kind of outside time and space. Um, but I also wonder if it's because of, like, reincarnation. Because, like, later on in the show, like, later on, Toph asks if friendship can transcend lifetimes. And Aang says that they can. He thinks they can. So what if, like, Toph and Aang were always supposed to meet and they had met in, like, a previous life? Mm. You know? Like, maybe that's why he was able to see her. Because, yeah, she's living, but she's also dead or her spirit is dead. And, you know, he knew her in a past life, you know? Yeah, it just made me think of that line that she says in, like, a later episode. And that's a possibility. Yeah, because it's- she ends up being friends with Korra. Right. So, I mean, you know... I don't know it's just just little like ideas you know little things that to, to nibble on <laughs> <laughs> and um you uh you gives them this whole talk about life mm-hmm. and spirits and uh ang is able to find appa and momo mm-hmm. by touching the tree and like doing yeah. his avatar stuff yeah um it's, it's pretty impressive that the swamp people were able to like catch them yeah i mean they're definitely powerful and and creative benders Mm -hmm. that's 100 percent true um something that i have to ask and this is for like the people watching who are not american because i know that avatar was like broadcast in like a bunch of different countries in different languages um did you get the joke like the joke of the swamp people because they're obviously meant to be a parody a loving parody, but a parody of like Louisiana, Florida, Gator, Swamp people. Like mm. that was the joke. 
So we get the joke because right. we're Americans. We we know those stereotypes. We know like the people in like the Louisiana swamp who like hunt gators, and we know people in the Florida Everglades and stuff. But like, did 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 everybody else get the joke? Did they understand why it was funny? Did they understand what the reference was? Like, if you were watching it in England or in like Spain or or in an Asian country, like, did you like did that just like go over their heads? Unless, like, they watch other pieces of media that depicted that. So, I don't know, though. I feel like that's so inherently American. Because, mm-hmm. like, I, I know that, like, other shows will probably portray the American South. But, like, to, like, but, like, gator swamp people mm-hmm. is, like, a very specific type of American South. And it's just, I just wonder that. I just really am curious <laughs> if, like, other people got that. Because... It's so American. Like the show does a really good and I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's bad. The show does such a really good job of keeping things very like Asian centered. And like a lot of the references are various Asian cultures or references to Asian, you know, deities and things like that. So to have such an American thing in the show is hysterical to me. And I just wonder if people got that. Like if they thought it was funny, if they're not American, if they understood what the joke was. (laughs) Hopefully we get an answer. Yeah, yeah. If so, whoever is watching us who is not American, please let us know. Like, I'd love to hear about how you viewed the show. Like, what was different? What was the same? You know? I didn't think about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting point. Yeah, because most of the show is just, is very, like, baseline Asian. At mm. least I would assume I'm not Asian. Um, but so for this to be so comically American is, is very um, interesting to me. <laughs> Um, yeah, but UA kind of explains that, uh, that everything is connected, um, you know, that the earth is a living thing and we have to listen to it and respect it. As an adult, that speech was a little bit like, mm, trite, but as a kid, I'm sure that it was very moving. What do you mean by trite? Well, so as an adult living in the world, yeah. I've heard this speech a million and five times from all different kinds of pe- like media and TV shows. You know, I mean, I grew up in the 90s. Environmentalism was very big then. You know, Captain Planet and all that. <laughs> um, you know, I've watched Lion King. I know we're all connected in the circle of life. So for <laughs> me, this is not my first time hearing this speech. So for me, it's a little bit like cliche. Mm. But I imagine for a child... It would be the first time hearing that speech. And I imagine it must have been revolutionary to them. This idea of how we're all connected and that time just goes on and goes on. And we just kind of live in this world and we have to show each other respect and kindness and consideration. And that death is not necessarily the the end because there's always rebirth. And it's just it's really interesting, you know, just to mm-hmm. think about other people watching this. It didn't do anything for me, okay. I, but I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> I'll admit, I wasn't paying attention. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so they get up and Momo back and they leave the swamp people. They say goodbye and <laughs> nice knowing you, I guess. And then we get a quick cut to the guy from the very, very beginning who insulted Uncle Iroh and made him dance. And the blue spirit is back, baby. Yeah. Did you did you see the little foreshadow in the beginning when, when the... The shopkeeper with the moving shop he had a whole bunch of masks and the blue. Oh, no, I didn't. Oh, no, I didn't. But yeah. obviously, this is where Zuko gets his Dao blades, the two yeah. blades, which is cool. 
Um, but yeah, Blue Spirit is back, baby. Yeah, he is. All in all, this is a good episode um, because you said like it really introduces the concept of how the Avatar is a spiritual guide, you know. So now Aang knows who he has to find. He has to find a little girl and a flying boar. Yeah. <laughs> good luck. Well, I mean, he finds her. Yeah. Um, the screaming bird was was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. That like got me. Like, why, why, why does it scream like that? And the swamp, the swamp is creepy and weird. But the swamp doesn't even like the bird. It slaps it at the oh, end. Oh yeah. <laughs> Listen, there's a lot of weird animals in the world. Not even considering the Avatar world, there's a lot of weird animals in our world. Just in general, yeah. Apparently. This is very topical, but Australia found like two new species of like animal, like yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like it's a weird place. Land animals. Or yeah, like- yeah. I think they're like some kind of lemur. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> weird place. It is. Okay. So uh, on to episode five, Avatar Day. Yes. Um, I just want to start this episode off by saying this episode is gross when you see the spider. In Sokka's mouth. Oh, yeah. That is so gross and so unsettling. Oh, God. It just, I was like, ew. Oh, God. It's in his mouth. Like, fun little tidbit. When, um, so I haven't started watching Avatar yet up until this point. Like, it was just kind of, I was just kind of just like passively watching it. I wasn't really, um, oh, for this? Yeah. Oh. For, for when this episode first aired. Oh, like, when the episode first aired. Cause I believe, like, I really, dug deep or like dived into avatar in the middle of book two so uh nick.com they used to have this thing called nicktropolis mm-hmm. where all the kids if you watch nickelodeon whatever you go on nick.com it's like this virtual world where you can create an avatar okay like around. the sims like the sims okay but it was all based on uh, nickelodeon characters i feel like i remember that i feel like i remember that nicktropolis yeah um huh. So you get to roam, like you could meet Jimmy Neutron, you can meet SpongeBob, be in their world and everything. Mm. So they had this little thing called, it was either the lounge or the cafeteria or whatever. It was like a virtual location. And on repeat, it'll have a screen and the screen will show clips of like, you know, Nickelodeon shows. On repeat was this scene of, of Sokka snoring and the spider and Momo reaching on repeat like it just constantly Ugh. over and over again and so <laughs> watching this um for this episode you know and seeing that i was like oh this scene again like i haven't watched it a million times <laughs> on nick choplis because for some reason they want to shove this scene down our throat yeah i guess so <laughs> yeah just brought back flashbacks yeah uh, and Sokka's like hey bobo personal space <laughs> but momo saved them technically he did he did yeah, the spider in his mouth. <laughs> um, and they get ambushed by the rough rhinos. Yeah, which is so fun. It's so fun to like meet new characters and like you know see how you know various people you know use like weapons and stuff when they can't firebend. It's so mm-hmm. cool. Um, and they they manage to get away on Appa. They save Katara's scrolls. They save Egg's staff. But they do not save Sokka's boomerang. No time for boomerang. Which is so sad. It is. <laughs> Poor Sokka. Um, but I will say, like, like, 
a scene later when they're getting food and uh and like Sokka's still upset like Atara gives him a hug like she's like it's okay Sokka like we're here for you like you know I mean obviously she doesn't care and obviously she thinks he's probably a little ridiculous for Mm -hmm. caring about the boomerang but like just something about this episode this entire episode is so good for the siblings like it's such a good sibling episode and so like Katara giving him a little hug and be like it's okay ponytail guy (laughs) I used to be boomerang guy damn (laughs) like it's just sweet I just I I really love Sokka and Katara's relationship I think it's so great also, I will say that, like, it's kind of bloodthirsty that they have a holiday specifically for hating a person. Mm. Like, I feel like most holidays don't don't do that. Like, I feel like most holidays are for celebrating a person. <laughs> kind of bloodthirsty that this town is like, we hate this guy so much. We have a whole holiday talking about how much we hate this guy. Oof. Like, the only equivalent I can think of is, like, I guess sort of Columbus Day. Well, now. Well, yeah, but now it wasn't like that years and years and years ago. Like Mm. people, I mean, white people didn't know and and or they didn't care to know. And and so like just now we're starting to be like, oh, you know, fuck Columbus. But (laughs) it's just so interesting to me that this town has a holiday for hating someone because they hate them so much. Because they killed their their powerful leader. Yeah. Chin Um, the Great, who was so great. (laughs) Right. Uh, it's funny that you bring that up um, you know being Jewish mm-hmm. it's not like you guys have a holiday for hating Hitler or oh yeah I mean <laughs> I mean in some of our holidays they involve like like the the other the best example I could come up with that kind of goes along with this is Purim mm-hmm. which is my favorite Jewish holiday um, and so Purim involves a story about this guy who tried to um get rid of all the jews in persia and we managed to defeat him so there is a small level of like uh fuck that guy fuck Haman, you know mm-hmm. um but it's not the whole point of the holiday there's like more to it but it is a part of it us okay. being like mad at this guy so i guess that's kind of like you know it's not like unheard of but it's still funny to me that yeah, they true. have a holiday just for hating a guy also the the like the judge magistrate guy that's mm-hmm. a chifu from mulan Speaking oh. of Mulan. Yeah. That's the Emperor's advisor. Yeah, from Mulan. They even kind of made him look like... Yeah, not, a little bit with the, with the mustache and stuff. Wow. Um, <laughs> and so so basically, they go to this town, and they find out this town hates the Avatars because Avatar Kyoshi, like, over 200 years ago, killed their, like, leader, their, their, their Chin the Great. And Aang is so sweet. He's like, I don't think an avatar has ever murdered anyone. And it's like, really, Aang? You don't think an avatar has ever killed anyone? You poor, sweet summer child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I guarantee you, the avatars killed people. And we're not even talking about Kyoshi, but like, they killed people. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, but scenes like this, it, um, implants the question early into the viewers of okay ang if this is how you're feeling about it how exactly do you intend on defeating the fire lord yeah you're absolutely right you know oh yeah if, if um if you're like if you're really paying attention like you 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 will ask yourself that question mm-hmm. i didn't obviously because yeah. i was you know young, no but. but but you're right if ang is already at this point this early showing objections to 
murder, even in the face of an evil person, then yeah, it really, it, it sets up that decision that he makes later on in the show, mm-hmm. you know, you're absolutely right. But he's, he's so sweet and he gets thrown in jail. Yeah. <laughs> and now he have a guitar or something to talk about. I feel like the amount of times that these kids have been thrown in jail is ridiculous. It's hilarious because like they're like 12 and they just keep getting thrown in jail. And it's so funny to me. Like (laughs) there was a post on Tumblr that was like listing all the amount, all the times that the characters have either been in jail, been captured and then broken out of jail. Mm -hmm. And it was like a long list. It was a long list. I feel like I talked about this before. I think so. I did. Well, again, when Katara was thrown in jail. <laughs> but like, you got to love Sokka with his costumes and his, you know, little Sherlock Holmes thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's cute. It's really cute. Um, <laughs> I love how um, Katara just acts when he's like on the, uh, the, the dragon pipe. pipe. Yeah. She's like, where did you get that? <laughs> and he doesn't even answer. Yeah. This, yeah, it's just watching like Katara and Sokka interact is so funny. This mm. episode is so funny because um, she's just kind of like going along with it, like humoring him. And like every time she gets to a conclusion before him, he's like, I want to do it. I'm the detective Katara. <laughs> like, Does the hat, the eyepiece, d- doesn't that mean anything to you? I know. I love I love Sokka. I love just how... It, it's so weird because Sokka pretends to be so serious and he pretends to be so like manly. Not that he isn't, but like he pretends to be so serious, but like he's such a dork. Yeah. Like he's dressing up in costumes and acting like a detective. <laughs> like he's such a dork. Even like the little comment he said in the beginning when the uh, when the man was running with the torch, mm-hmm. he was all like, it's very manly. I couldn't pull it off though, but yeah, you know, <laughs> you know I, I love I love Sokka. I think he's such a great character i really do mm-hmm. um so basically uh Sokka does some sleuthing and he realizes that the statue of chin the great and the temple were made at the same time so that is a point in the idea that kiyoshi did not murder chin that she was never there <clears throat> and then they go to kiyoshi island to learn a little bit more and um they see this like tapestry that shows like kiyoshi like on the island like celebrating kiyoshi day because while it's avatar day in that one town it's kiyoshi day in another because it's the formation of the island mm-hmm. um and Sokka's able to like look at the tapestry and be like oh no it's sunset look at the shadows like that's so smart Sokka's so smart yes. i love Sokka. he's so smart and katara <laughs> Is like, wow, she had really uh, big feet. And apparently she had the biggest feet out of all the Avatar. Yep. And uh, and she lived the longest, too. Yeah. Yeah. She lived the longest, too. She was Kiyoshi was a really, really cool Avatar. Yes. And I, for one, want her to step on me. Okay. Yeah. She's great. I love her. I mean, it is. I, I'm sure you already know that it's confirmed that she's um, gay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. She is a stone cold badass lesbian with gigantic feet who i want to step on me <laughs> all right and this is another portion of who does brielle want to step on her because what it was first um the bounty hunter she was a bounty hunter right yeah i forgot her name though already june, june. yeah june. so you wanted june to step on you yeah 
Now you want Kyoshi to step yeah, on you. I do. Let's just keep adding to the list, I man. I really do, though. Like, listen. May? Well, I won't say that because May is, like, younger than me. Okay, okay. You know? But if I was younger, oh, definitely May. Suki? See, I really like Suki, too, but I don't want Suki to step on me. She could, but mm. I don't want her to. <laughs> um, <laughs> listen, listen. I have a very specific type when it comes to women. I like women who look like they could kick my ass. Okay, mm-hmm. I I do like that's just how it is. I get it. Hey, I'm not judging. I'm not judging at all. Anyway, moving on. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so they go to Kyoshi Island. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the foaming mouth guy is there. Yeah, no one likes the foaming mouth. Guy. I like the foaming mouth. Guy. No one likes. I just think it's funny that he like freaks out, and then he looks around, and like no one else is freaking out, and he's like, oh, and he just like wipes his mouth and like walks away. So yeah, so. Sokka and Katara realize that Kiyoshi could not have killed Jin the Great. So they rush back to the the other the other like town. And meanwhile, Aang is like talking to the prisoners. You know, they're just having little chats, you know, talking about love and life. And I just uh, Aang see that's what I mean like Aang, like Aang doesn't have a sarcastic bone in his body. Aang is so genuine. He makes friends everywhere he goes. He makes friends with people who should be his enemy. Mm. Like it, like it's so sweet that he was like able to like sit down and talk with those guys and like, you know, and they they cared about him and yeah. they cared about him and Katara. Also, I think the gag of Aang like taking his hands and head out of the stocks and just leaning on it is so <laughs> funny. I mean, we know he could just escape. Yeah, I just I think that's funny. Um, this episode is, I think, very important because it introduces children to the futility and the banality of the legal system very early. Yes. Yes. It's just us. Yeah. That's what it is. Like, that's not fair. No, it's it's not. It's not fair. That's that's the legal system. <laughs> like, you say what you did. No, you say what happened. I say what happened. And then I decide who's right. <laughs> yep. Yep. Like, I hate to be... I hate to be cynical, especially today, mm-hmm. which is um, this episode is going to come out later. But today is the day after. For those of you who are in America, Biden was announced as the president. And so it's a, it's a pretty happy day. I feel good about my life and, you know, about the future. So I don't want to be too cynical, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> they have the trial and um, Aang doesn't get a lawyer like Sokka isn't allowed to, like, explain everything, which mm-hmm. kind of sucks because Aang can't do it. He completely messes it up. And so Katara's like, oh, well, maybe if we put him in Kiyoshi's clothing, it will, like, help him remember and he can, like, speak to Kiyoshi's innocence. Mm -hmm. And then Kiyoshi, like, comes out, basically, and, like, embodies Aang. And the funniest thing about all this is that Kiyoshi was innocent. She did not kill Chin the Great. She separated the island and he fell. She did not kill him. But she's such a petty bitch that I love that she was like, oh, no, I killed him. I'll kill him again, too. I'll kill him a thousand times. I'll kill all of you. I don't care. Like, <laughs> she she was in the clear. She was in the clear to be like, I did not kill him. And instead, she went, no, I murdered that bitch. Like, <laughs> love it. I love it so much. <laughs> I mean, she she generally does view it as she killed him because yeah. You find out in like the very last, the very last few episodes, um, Sosan's comment mm-hmm. when Aang asks for ex Kiyoshi for advice, he's he brought up the same point. It's like you didn't kill him; he just stood there. He was too stubborn to move. She was like, "I don't see the difference." Mm. Yeah, oh, Kiyoshi. You know, yeah, 
but that's where that's where kiyoshi gets the like the the um the fandom interpretation that she's just like happy to murder people (laughs) which i love i think it's so funny um but yeah she basically explains that like chin was going across the earth kingdom and like conquering and hurting people and he was going to hurt her village and her home and so she literally separated the island bro which is amazing i feel like this is the first episode that actually shows the true power of an avatar like she was able to move a whole like yeah piece of land yeah and that move employed every element because there was obviously the earth Mm -hmm. but she also had to manipulate magma and water and air to push the land away like you're absolutely right it is a truly astounding feat of you know earth water air and firebending and it's amazing like kiyoshi was not messing around and like throughout the series the series we technically don't see this with any other avatar like sure ang was a badass with his fight with um uh with ozai and we see uh roku you know battling a volcano mm-hmm. but roku lost yeah and ang's battle with ozai although it was impressive is nothing compared to moving a whole fucking island. I know, bro. I know. So like, yeah, Kyoshi was a badass. Yeah, yeah. She, she, she really, I think, understood the powers that an avatar has. Mm-hmm. You know, um, which is really interesting because like Kurik was the one before her, and he was not apparently a good avatar. Yeah, he was chill. He was laid back. Yeah, so it's interesting that she was like, I'm going to be the best Avatar ever. Bye. <laughs> and she is. Um, yeah, but she basically explains that, like, Chin fell because he was too stubborn to move and she made Kiyoshi Island. And so the uh, the town is like, yeah, but Egg is still guilty. And, and they're about to boil him in oil, which is horrifying. <laughs> That's very, very medieval. When the Rough Rhino show up and try to take over the town. And um, Aang is able to save the town. And they're like, okay, I guess we won't um, uh, kill you then. <laughs> like just community service. Yeah, now community service. service. One thing. Can we appreciate like how well Aang pulls off the Kyoshi makeup? He does. I was about to say, like, Kyoshi makeup looks so good on everyone. Mm. Like it works on everyone. Like when Sokka was Inside, in it. Yep. Later on when Azula and Mei and Tai Lee are in it. Like Suki, obviously, Aang. Everybody looks so good yeah. in Kiyoshi makeup. It is so, like, it's such a great look. Like, it really accentuates your eyes and, like, gives you a really great, like, jawbone. Like, oh, such a good makeup <laughs> look. It's really, it's impressive. He does look really, really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and Aang is able to stop the Rough Riders. And, um, and, and Sokka finds his boomerang. Boomerang always comes back. Yay. You do always come back. Um. And the town basically decides that Avatar Day will be a day to celebrate the Avatar with unfried dough. <laughs> to signify the day he was not boiled in hot water. Yeah, oil. Oil, not <laughs> boiled in oil. And Sokka's like, this is the worst town we've ever been to. <laughs> it's, right, it's, it's a silly episode. It is a silly episode. It is a silly episode. But I, like I said, it does give us really interesting backstory about like Kiyoshi and yeah. the other Avatars. But in this episode, meanwhile, uh, Zuko was like being a little punk he's like stealing shit from people isn't this one yeah oh you're right yeah Yeah. and then iroh gives this kind of speech about like hope 
Iroh is so wise. He really, really is. Um, but he gives this speech about hope, that hope is something that you have to give yourself to move forward, that you can't seek hope in another person because Zuko has been kind of looking to the Avatar for hope and he can't do that anymore because Iroh rightfully um, predicts that even if Zuko found the Avatar, it wouldn't make things better. Mm-hmm. He's right. He's absolutely right. He's just, he's very, yeah, he's just very wise. And um, what we were saying earlier, that he is very humble and he had to learn that. You really see that in this episode. The 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 mental, like, fortitude that he must have to be able to live in these, like, terrible conditions and, and still have a positive outlook. It's just a little heartbreaking to see the frown on his face when Zuko says that they no longer have anything to gain by traveling with each other. Mm-hmm. But I was so smart because instead of letting Zuko, you know, walk, he gives Zuko the, um, the ostrich horse. Yeah. And, you know, watching it first time, I'm thinking, oh, you know, he's just being nice, being caring. But it would be much easier to follow Zuko and track him with him traveling on the ostrich horse than him traveling on foot. Oh, yeah. Which we, we find out later that he has been yeah, following. Yeah, he has been. Because the thing is, like, Iroh, Iroh knows that he could be fine. Yeah. Iroh will be fine. He can live. He'll be fine. But it, it's, but he knows that Zuko is going to need help. But he also knows that Zuko needs to do this by himself. Yeah. Zuko needs to, Zuko needs to take himself on a life-changing field trip. Yep. Zuko needs to take <laughs> himself on a life-changing field trip. But it's true. I mean, again, it just... It shows how much Iroh loves him, that he's able and willing to let Zuko go off on his own. You know, it's dangerous to let him and to help him learn and grow as a person, you know? Yeah. Because he could have fought it. He could have said, like, no, Zuko, you can't go. I won't let you, blah, blah, blah. But he didn't. He's, he understood what needed to happen. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> but it is sad. It is. Yeah. All right. So I guess on to the next episode. The Blind Bandit. The Blind Bandit. Here we are. Yeah, this is a good episode. The greatest earthbender of all time. Yep. Um, so something that I just want to say about this episode is I love Sokka. I've said this a million times in this episode. But one of the things I love about Sokka is the way that his masculinity is portrayed. Because while he is manly, you know, and while he is... Uh, interested in soldier like uh, military pursuits and he's a soldier and he values those things like being tough and hunting and fighting he also like loves shopping Mm -hmm. and he cares about his appearance and he's incredibly smart and he you know he's not despite being like a capable and a amazing soldier he's not like tough you know he's not tough i just love that i love that this show shows us all the different ways that you can be a man. I feel like I said this before, but I, I want to reiterate it because Sokka being allowed to enjoy shopping and being like encouraged by Katara and, and Aang to like get the bag. You mm-hmm. like the bag, get the bag. <laughs> like is so important because in other shows, if a character was like Sokka, they might tease him for it. They might say that he's being girly or like, you know, make fun of him. But Instead, they they encourage him and they say, like, you you know what, Sokka, you've had a rough couple of days. You deserve this bag. You should get it. It'll look great on you. And then it does with the belt. Right. And 
I just I love that Sokka loves shopping, you know? Yeah. I just love that. So they're in this town and Aang is looking for an earthbender. He's specifically looking for the little girl with the flying boar. And this guy says like, oh, there's an earthbending school. You should try that. So Aang tries that. And I got flashbacks with this little scene of like the kids fighting and the guy being like, oh, if you pay now, you get to go up a belt. Because like when I was little, um, I was in I did karate and the the company that we did karate with uh, was kind of a scam. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, looking back, I feel incredibly guilty for the money that my parents lost. I mean, they don't really I don't think they care about it anymore. But like, I still feel incredibly guilty, even though it wasn't my fault. I still feel incredibly guilty about the money that my parents lost because I did karate. I did it for. Uh, over a year and as anyone will tell you it takes years to become a black belt you know it takes years of study years of training years of mental fortitude I have a black belt I have a black belt in karate I should not have a black belt in karate Mm. Um, but the way that this school worked is they kind of like rushed you through the belts and um and they kind of took my parents' money. Now, I did learn stuff. I definitely learned karate. Like, I know how to do karate. But I am not at all good enough to be a black belt. If I had to, like, guess where I am on the spectrum of belts, which I know is different for each type of karate, I would say I'm maybe, like, a green belt, which is, like, the third or fourth level mm. in terms of my skill. Um, but, of course, I... It's been years. I don't remember. So it's probably down to like a white belt, you know. But yeah, this this whole scene really just brought me back to that to that school and like learning karate and like, you know, going up belt after belt after belt, you know, and being a black belt. I did learn some stuff, um, but obviously not enough to be a black belt. Okay. I mean, it's a cool thing to tell people. Right. Because if I tell them I have a black belt with no con- like context, they're like, oh, she don't mess with her. <laughs> Unless, like, one person challenges you. Like, oh, you're a black belt? Me too. You want to, like, have a sparring session? No, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I can't. Sorry, I got a, got a thing to do. Bye. Um, you know. Mm. So, yeah, that's what that made me think of. <laughs> and then I also love that uh, Sokka's, like, he, he immediately regrets getting the bag, which is, like, I get you, Sokka. Buyer's remorse. I get you. <laughs> and then Momo, like, gets in the bag like a little dog. Mm. <laughs> I just think that's so cute. And then these kids are like, oh, we're going to Rumble, like Earth Rumble 6, but you can't go because you're losers. And Katara's like, be right back. <laughs> hey, tough guys. <laughs> and like, back. you know, you think that she like flirted with them or something. No, nope, she just, you know, icicled them to the wall. <laughs> yep. I love, I love Katara. I love her so much. She's so funny. Um, but they go to Earth Rumble 6, which is very obviously meant to look like a wrestling, like WWE kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Especially considering they have a character that's meant to be a parody of The Rock. Mm-hmm. Voiced not by The Rock, but by another professional wrestler. McFoley. Yeah, McFoley, which is fun. Um, the Long Island native. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Didn't know that. Um, I know very little about wrestling. You know a lot about wrestling, but um, yeah. Something that actually I, I wanted to bring up specifically about the earth rumble is so wrestling for those of you who may not know is fake that doesn't mean scripted that doesn't mean that <laughs> they're not actually doing anything it doesn't mean that they're not actually getting hurt 
Um, it doesn't mean that they're not amazing athletes, but it's it's all like fake, you know. See, that's where I guess you can't use the word fake because okay. they actually are risking their lives. Well, yeah, that's because we can get into a whole conversation about how the management of uh, various wrestling corporations does not treat their wrestlers well. But that's a different. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but so is is um, I guess more respectable to say that it's scripted. Like, okay. Well, see, I don't see why would I know that? Yeah. Like the outcome is predetermined. Yeah. Like we all know that. But I mean, the fighting isn't necessarily like fully 100% fighting. Like they, they do like pratfalls and stuff. Sometimes. Yeah. It depends on like who you're working with. Yeah. Like Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar, mm-hmm. he will do like the air punches, but sometimes he, he will knock you for real. And yeah. It, but the yeah. thing is, the way that they fight is is taught to them there's a specific way of fighting mm-hmm. that they learn so that they can protect themselves a little bit better right you know i'm not trying to like say that like wrestling is is bad or stupid or anything like that like it's i i think it deserves respect especially the wrestlers i think that they deserve a lot of respect for what they put their bodies through mm-hmm. um but so but base but at the end of the day you know in, in a perfect world they wouldn't be getting hurt you know right they fall in a way so they they don't get, they don't get hurt. Right. And like you said, it's scripted. They know who's going to win. The Earth Rumble Six doesn't seem to be like that. No. One because they get mad when Ang wins the gold, but also because they're using like rocks, and like that, I, I you can't I you can't like fake that. Like they're hitting each other and throwing each other off with rocks. Like that's incredibly painful like i don't think earth rumble six is like scripted like wrestling yeah it's not it's the real deal like they are really throwing rocks at each other which is really scary (laughs) that's scary like oh man i mean they're earthbenders they're used to it yeah you know i guess um but i will say there are references to like American wrestling and having it being scripted because there's like the firebender character mm-hmm. that's obviously like a guy putting on a costume and being like I'm the the bad guy because there's always a bad guy in wrestling mm-hmm. like there's always like the good guy and the bad guy in wrestling and right. um so he's the bad guy you know which is cute I think that's a cute little like nod to um things like that like you know what it reminded me of it reminded me of um Glow you ever seen that show no. Glow is a show or was a show on Netflix. I think it's finished um, about female wrestlers in the 80s because hmm. um, that was the thing. There was like a female wrestling league in the 80s. And um, one of the characters is a, like a Russian character. Like she plays a Russian in the ring and she's meant to be like the bad guy because it was the 80s. It was the Cold War. Right. So she's like she always goes up in matches against the like all American girl character. So that's what that made me think of like hmm. the firebender like, you know. <laughs> And he sings like the Fire Nation national anthem, which I don't think is the national anthem. It's it just "Oh, it. Fire Lord, my flame burns for thee." Yeah, like <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't think that's it. Yeah, I also like Sokka just getting way too into it. Like he's just super invested. In <laughs> Boo, Fire Nation! Yeah, <laughs> and then they bring out da 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 da. I did it that way because I didn't know if we had uh, the ability to play the actual music and not get sued. Um, <laughs> um, we won't get sued, but we definitely get like copyright strike. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, she's she's here and she's ready to kick some butt. John Cena, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so it's such a great introduction. Mm-hmm. Like you see the belt and then it pans. You see that she's blind. It's like, this and it's like tall. a little girl. Yeah. yeah. It's like a little girl. Um, and then you get to see her earthbending and it's amazing. Her earthbending is so goddamn cool. The way that she uses like seismic sense to be able to fight. And Aang realizes, oh, this is, this is supposed to be my earthbending teacher. Mm-hmm. Like she, she waits and she listens and that's how she fights. And so Aang goes into the ring and uh, fights her. I say with air quotes because he doesn't want to fight. He right. just wants to talk to her. But he knocks her out of the ring, which is impressive. And um, and then later he tries to find the blind bandit and he meets those guys again. And uh, my favorite part is like Katara gets them to say they're like, oh, well, there's the Beifong people. And there you have a flying boar as their like symbol. And she just goes, I got my eye on you. Water drive. Yep. <laughs> That's swerve. The iconic scene. Yeah. Water drop. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, I think it's interesting that like the Bay Fongs are like the only characters in Avatar to have last names. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. It's just it's just interesting. Because they're so rich and they 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 are so rich. They bought a last name. <laughs> Basically, yeah. No, I just it's just a little thing. I think is like funny. Um, and they go to the Bay Fong mansion and they see Toph again. And it's like a completely different person. Like she's like little and delicate and, you know, yeah, she's very pretty. Mm. And, um, you know, they realize that her parents, because she is blind, her parents have kind of been keeping her locked away because they assume that she can't do anything. Mm -hmm. And um, which is sad. You know, it's really sad that her parents don't have more confidence in her and have more respect for her. Um, because clearly she can take care of herself and clearly she's a lot stronger than they realize. Um, and it makes me feel bad because I wonder what would have happened if Aang had never come across Toph. Like what would have happened to her? Would she just have continued to like live under her father's thumb, like doing wrestling matches, you know, every now and then, you know, how long could she sustain that? You know, I would, I would imagine like by the time she hit 14, she would have been like, yeah, I'm out. Peace out. Like she would have left. Yeah, mm-hmm. I could see that. Because like, she was twelve. She's twelve. Twelve. Yeah, she's yeah. The same age as Aang. Yeah. Um, um, I also really like this episode because like Toph and Aang have such sibling energy too. Mm-hmm. Like when they're at the dinner table and they're like fighting each other using like earth bending and air bending. Like it's just very funny. They they really are like little kids like fighting at a table. Like it's very funny. It's like, what's your problem? What's your problem? Yeah. And the mom is just like, how about we go to the living room for the dessert? <laughs> Yeah. Um <laughs> yeah, I really like I really like Aang and Toph's relationship, even at the very beginning, because they they like fight each other and not mm. in like a bad way, but they like bicker and they fight. And I think Aang needs that because um Sok and Katara pretty much are like willing to like go along with Aang and kind of deter to him. But Toph fights him and I think that's important. I think he needs someone to like give him a little bit of a hard time every now and then. Yeah. You know, and Toph does that. Especially since he's the airbender, he has to, she, she's the perfect person to teach him how to be grounded. Yeah, exactly. I also, um, and we'll talk about this later as we like see more with Toph, but I really like the show's treatment of her disability. Um, now, I am not disabled, so at the end of the day, I can't really say if it's like a good representation or not, you mm. know. But I feel like it is because her blindness is never like the butt of the joke. 
or if it is she's the one making the joke which i think is so great like her blindness is never a detriment to her it Mm. never like it's never seen as a weakness um which is great because i feel like so many other shows even shows for adults treat disabilities like you know an immediate horrible thing and oh it's so sad that they you know they're in a wheelchair oh it's so sad that they're blind like no Toph is Toph she happens to be blind it doesn't make her any less strong or powerful or you know hilarious you know she uses it to her advantage you know and I just I feel like it's such a wonderful representation of a character with a disability I mean especially cool the way that she sees like yeah she does her sonic scream and yeah she gets a good look at you yeah, it's it's really crazy. <laughs> did you not catch what I just said? I just oh. did. I just got what you were referring to. I was like, Sonic Scream? What are you talking about? And I was like, oh, wait. <sighs> and then they get kidnapped. Yep. Because uh, the, uh, I forgot his name. Vince McMahon feels like he was <laughs> cheated. Basically. Uh, Vince McMahon. I mean, that's what he was. He was, yeah. Um, and then we have the greatest transition in TV history, in my humble opinion. Mm-hmm. Oh, Toph must be so scared. <laughs> hey, why don't you come up here and I'll kick your ass? <laughs> it's, it's, she says it with so much confidence, yeah. too. She's like, I'll wipe that grin off your face. And he's like, I'm not smiling. Yeah. But she I, doesn't care. She's like... <laughs> yeah. That is the greatest transition in TV history. Nothing will ever be funnier than that. <laughs> The first time I watched it, when I was like going through the whole like show on the mm. binge, I died. I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> it was on the floor. I was. It was so funny to me. She must be so scared. Why don't you come up here and fight me yourself? <laughs> yeah, that's tough. Yeah. Um, and so they rescue Toph. They're able to. Uh, re- so they get Ang out, and then Toph basically goes up against all the wrestlers and just decimates them. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so cool watching this fight scene because you really see not only like just really cool earthbending moves, like some of the things that the guys do, but you just see how intensely like powerful and smart Toph is. Like her fighting is so cool. Mm-hmm. You know, it really, really is cool. And it's such a great scene. Um, And, it, and it, it it's great because throughout the series, Toph is kind of like she she even though she and Ang are the same age she's very much the youngest like she's the most immature she's the like kind of the silliest you know she is the least serious out of all of them but then you remember scenes like this and you're like no she can really like do it she can really fight and it's amazing yeah she's a force to be reckoned with mm-hmm. and this really shows how well she waits and listens mhm um, when she's uh, up against the boulder and the hippo, instead of like you know attacking them head on or just knocking them out the ring like she did with, with everyone else, she hears um he doesn't have a name but she hears the guys swinging and yelling like ah and instead of you know taking them out and then dealing with him, she was like no he's coming from this way, we're on this little platform thing let me turn it. Mm-hmm. And so that he ends up hitting them and like does all the work for me. Yeah. Like that's, that's, yeah. Yeah. She's, she's great. She really is. And then her, the, the gang asks her to come along with them and be Aang's earthbending teacher. And her father says, no, it's, it's such a bait and switch because we think, cause we've seen this sort of, 
uh, moment in, in shows before we're like, oh, her father's going to finally realize that she's strong enough and powerful enough. And he's going to say, go, Toph, go live your dream and help the Avatar and save the world. But her father's like, no, <laughs> no, you, you have to stay here forever. In fact, bars on the window. Like, it's 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 kind of it's sad, but it's funny. I can't help but like feel like that was such a Haitian move. <laughs> Growing up Haitian. And it's the classic line. I've realized that I've given you too much freedom. Haitians <laughs> loves Haitian parents. They love saying that to their kids. Oh, I give you what they say in Creole. It's like, I give you too much freedom. I let you go out too much. It's like, I went out for one day. Yeah. For one day. Like, yo, you, you're in the streets so much. You're doing this. You're doing that. <laughs> it was just one night. I'm always home. I'm always studying. I'm always doing my schoolwork. For one night, I decided to go out. And now I, I have too much freedom. <laughs> I have. Ah, uh, oh my God, the flashbacks. But yeah, you that and was, me, we both have flashbacks in this episode. Yeah, because that, that that's what it was. Um, Like the complete, op- like you said, the complete opposite of what the audience would expect. Yeah. And so uh, Toph basically sneaks out. I mean, yeah. we don't learn that, but we know. I feel like the gang kind of, I, I didn't think they knew at first, but watching this, I've seen that like that little subtle thing that they said where um she was like, oh, my dad had to change her heart. And then Sako Katawa was just like, well, let's go before he, he changes his heart again. Yeah. I, I feel like that was a, like a little nod saying that, oh, they know. That yeah. She's running. But, you know, she had to, like she had to go get away and help the Avatar and, and. Um, and it's so nice because like you see her on Appa's back and she looks happy mm-hmm. like she's free for the first time in her life. Um, you know, she's ready to start this adventure with them. And then her father's like, hey, so these guys kidnapped my kid. Find them. <laughs> Can you imagine, though, like he just I mean, he's rich, but saying that he's talking to if he has like other wealthy friends, it was like, well, how's everything going? How's everything going? The avatar kidnapped my daughter. <laughs> like what like he he just going around saying the avatar kidnapped my poor little girl yeah but actually i wonder if he would say that because remember those boys didn't think that they had a daughter Mm -hmm. oh so maybe they don't tell anybody because no one knows that they have a daughter Ooh, that's true yeah interesting Mm. um at the end of all this they're just some stupid kids on a life-changing you know world altering trip <laughs> yep just just the usual just some stupid kids yep. <laughs> who i love a lot um yeah and now the gang is all here team avatar oh wait no well i mean for the most part team avatar is all here yeah we're still just missing suki and, and zuko. zuko but this is our gang yeah me. this yeah. is this is our main gang yeah this is our main gang um which is nice you know mm-hmm. everybody everybody's here <laughs> yep uh, and I can't wait for uh, the next episode after this because that, that one's really good. Yep. They're all good. Oh, yeah. I remember I was watching it and it literally every time I'm like, oh, this is such a good episode. Oh, this is such a good episode. Oh, this is such a good episode. <laughs> and my mom is like, are they are they all good episodes? And I'm like, yeah, they are. You've been watching with me. <laughs> so, so she's been watching with you this whole time? Eh, sort of. She'll what? like be in the other room and be listening. You know, okay. I was going to ask, like, what does she think? I mean, she likes it, you mm. know. I mean, I don't know if she like loves it, but I think she likes it. Okay. Um. Yeah. All right. I guess. Um. Any like final remarks on these episodes? No. No. I think that's it. 
All right. You know, these are some good episodes. We're, we're getting we're getting into gear. <laughs> Let's wrap it up. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening, for watching and supporting us. Uh, please like, comment and subscribe if you're watching us on YouTube. Tell your friends. Uh, we will see you next week for another episode. Uh, so goodbye. <laughs> Later. Bye.